Hello, everyone, and welcome to my segment on extension in government. This podcast is going to be a little bit different since there really isn't, or according to my research, there wasn't a lot of extension and government branches. But since my background's in 4-H, I figured we could go and cover some of the great things that 4-H does as an extension program that is involved in government. So one of the things I wanted to cover first was the 4-H Citizen Washington Focus. Now, all of these educational trips are open to any 4-H member who is interested in attending. Um, they, A lot of them are located nationally, so this one you would be traveling down to D.C. And the great thing about this one is it gives kids a hands-on um, experience with actual government. So I actually attended this trip as a 4-H youth, and it was honestly one of my favorite trips. We, You actually get to meet some of the lawmakers in your state. And I don't know about anyone else, but I know that that's not something I, I would do every day as a youth, let alone anyone just on the street. You don't get to see your lawmakers. Well, for the most part, they made time out of their busy schedules to come and meet with us. And you get to spend the whole, like, what is it, three or four days that you're spending with um, youth represented in all 50 states and um, some of the territories. And this has been, this is a really great experience for them. So it gives them a premier leadership opportunity for high school aged youth. Now, I know a lot of, there are a lot of other opportunities available for youth to gain leadership experience, but this is a lot of hands-on and well-developed leadership experience. So some of the things that they develop are communication and citizenship skills. And these are stuff that, that these kind of skills, they last a lifetime. And so this is something that they really do take home with them. Washington Focus is... The session has actually been going on for over 50 years. So there's been 50 years of youth that have had, have been able to travel to D.C. and learn about laws and lawmaking and the history of our country and how things have been happening at a government level. So when they're there, they're fully engaged in D.C. culture. Um, I remember this was the first time I ever got to take a subway. I'm I'm from rural Wisconsin. We have one stoplight in my county. So I we, we literally got cell service in my county like a couple of years ago. So I'm from the middle of nowhere. And that was really a great experience. And it made me realize what other, like how everything else is outside of my area. Um, and we, during this time, they get to really experience government hands-on. So delegates are taught skills to help enhance their leadership skills for when they return home so that they can apply them. Uh, during the time that, you're, that you spend in D.C., you get to write your own laws and bills between your delegates that are attending the conference. And so you get to actually try out and experience some of the things that you're learning about as you're there. And it's in a great environment because you're surrounded by all these other youth who have the same, not well, the same interest as you, along with the same wants and dreams. So these are some of the topics that the delegates cover during their time in D.C. So the Citizenship Toolbox, 
Uh, they also cover congressional issues. So what are the, what's Congress talking about and how is everything going there? Um, bill writing, strategies, action planning, and Capitol Hill orientation. So you actually get to spend some time in Capitol Hill and see where the laws happen and how everything um, works up there. This next segment is going to cover a different portion of youth civic engagement. This is actually a state um, a state conference that I found that I actually thought sounded really interesting. It's called Voices in Youth, Youth Voices in Action. So YVA, and this one is out of Oklahoma, no, Oregon, sorry. It's out of Oregon State. And this one's modeled after 4-H conference or National 4-H conference, which we'll cover in a little bit. So youth actually get to work with their state legislatures in this, or legislators in this one. And I thought that that was really cool because it's also a different age demographic that they're shooting for. So youth in grades eight through 12 get to participate in this one. And they'll get to travel to Oregon State Capital of Salem and they get to be introduced to the legislative process. And this is at a much younger age than um, Citizen Washington Focus or CWF because CWF, I, you have to be in high school. Um, so they also get to learn about public speaking and civic engagement and the lawmaking process while they're there, which is similar to what the other one gets to do, but this one's at a state level. And I, I don't know, I think it's very fascinating. So youth are given many opportunities for future leadership by giving presentations, public speaking and critical thinking. These are really great skills to be learning at that age too. engagement trip that is this one's actually I think one I wish I could have done this one when I was younger but it's 4-H or National 4-H conference so this one is a little bit different from the others uh, you actually have to be chosen by your county to represent at this one um, I know I just went through the process to choose one of my delegates this year and you really want to choose the best of the best. These kids are actually going to be doing a lot more um, hands-on and critical thinking than the other trips would. And there's a lot more expected of them. Uh, they get to bring up topics that matter to them and present them to lawmakers in DC. So this is huge. They're literally talking to lawmakers and some of their partners and figuring out what matters to them and what they think or help influence the lawmakers into writing in a bill or considering their opinion. So each land-grant university's 4-H program selects youth to represent them in DC. So these youth, they have to be 15 to 19 years old. So there's a little bit of a stronger stipulation for this conference. And during this conference, youth have roundtable discussions on social topics that are important to them. So really before the conference, they need to be thinking of something that is important to them that they wanna bring up at, the, at their roundtable discussions and they need to bring a lot of information with them. So during this experience, youth get the opportunity to use real world problem solving skills and effectively communicate to motivate their peers. So, I mean, you, you really have to know what you're talking about if you're gonna go into this conference and say, well, you know, I wanna consider 
having less texting and driving. Well, you can't just say it like that. You have to be motivated and um, convince your peers that this is a very good topic that they need to stand behind. Um, a lot of youth their age aren't doing stuff like this. So I I don't know, I'm, I'm thoroughly fascinated by this process. So these skills are skills that are going to follow them home and they can apply them in their own communities and engage other others in their civic leadership skills. Now this conference is different from other leadership conferences because youth have to be prepared. They have to bring two things to these roundtable discussions. Um, they have to bring the topic that they want to discuss and in detail too. It can't just be um, a short sentence. It should probably be pages worth of research and then knowledge of 4-H. So how would 4-H fit into this and how can we help 4-H fit into this topic and what can 4-H do to actually change the outcome of this topic? So they'll really just be exploring how 4-H can address these issues. So if you really don't understand 4-H, then you might not succeed in this. <laughs> so when topics are being narrowed down, presentations are created and are presented, by the key, uh, presented to key agencies. So they're not just presenting to their peers in the end, they're actually presenting to, to key agencies, I'm guessing depending on what the topic is and what they end up covering, they're presenting it to real people people who actually can, in, they can influence them and make a difference. So these delegates are encouraged to do topic research before the conference um, so that they're ready to contribute to the discussions. And then each state may have topics that they wanna highlight besides the ones provided um, by National 4-H Conference. And this gives them an opportunity to create a personalized topic. So now for my last couple topics, I'm gonna to take a step out of my 4-H <laughs> umbrella that I like to live in and talk about some other programs that Extension offers that do help in local governments. So one of them was on the Colorado State University website. They actually have um, a program that they just started this last year in August that helps governments implement energy programs. So these are, this was mainly focused on local governments so that they could help to implement a renewable energy stores into their communities. And I, I've been fascinated by renewable energy sources since my undergrad. And I, I thought that this was really interesting that they were actually hosting a time for government to come in and learn about what they can do in their communities and what they can change. So how would this workshop end up helping officials? Well, they get to learn about grant programs that are available for their for these energy sources. They also get presentations given to them by communities that have implemented the programs and successfully, or they have already been successful, which that that's awesome. At least you can see that something is working and you can then hopefully apply it to what you have. Uh, they can also identify the right program for their community. Uh, they can also connect with other agencies that they will get to work with to implement the programs. And the inaugural workshop, this one was held in Eagle, Colorado in August, like I said, 2018. And they're hoping to do another workshop in the coming future. And I look forward to seeing that, honestly, because I think that, that would be really fascinating. So another thing that Extension does to help encourage local governments is um, during 
So I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> and during my time at um, Sauk County, I was an, I did an apprenticeship there last summer. I One of my colleagues, the Conrad agent, was or community, community development, she, um, Jennifer Erickson, she was actually conducting, um, I guess she was recruiting local officials who were women who were involved in local, state, and national government, I believe. And I, I found it really fascinating during the time because she was doing focus groups and trying to figure out, so how did they get involved in government? What pushed them to be involved? And then why why were they there? Like, what what was the reason to keep them there? So I found it to be very fascinating. And then as I was doing research for this um this podcast, I found that she actually, they published the information because I, when I was during my time there, they were talking about how they were hoping to create like a guidebook for the next generation of women who wanted to be involved in government. And it's, it's been, I don't know, I think it's really fantastic. So I just want to share with you a couple of the strategies that they ended up identifying. So Jennifer and her team, um, for what they figured would actually help a candidate um, or how you can encourage a candidate also to join a local government. So strategy one is to identify the position and be clear on why you're recruiting for that particular position. So some of the comments they have was, Consider starting with vacant positions. Women expressed more concerns about running against an incumbent. So not everyone wants to run against somebody. So if you have no competition, that might be an easier way to encourage someone to join the government. And um, it might be easier to recruit government, or whip, sorry. It might be easier to recruit women to boards and councils where there's already one woman serving. So a second strategy would be to build trust with the candidate. So make the ask comfortable, face-to-face, and informal. Find someone to help to help you who has previous relationship with the recruit. Include different kinds of people in the recruitment process, local elected officials, friends, influential people, and or family members. It may be beneficial to find other women to help you recruit women. So conduct a one-on-one with the possible candidate without any kind of request. This is the opportunity to get to know somebody better and what their interests are and what their concerns are with their and where their passions lie. I think that's huge. If you know that someone has a passion for the position you're hopefully recruiting them for, then maybe you do have a candidate on your hands. So then strategy three, to be persistent. The candidate may never have considered running for an office, and the recruitment process may be similar to planting and nurturing a seed. You will likely need to give them time to to initialize the idea of running and seeing themselves in the position. So strategy four, make it clear that you believe in them. This is something that would get me every time, because I don't always believe in myself, but knowing that someone else believes in me always... It always helps a little bit. So even helping a candidate believe in themselves really might push them into considering it. So successful candidates have indicated that it means a great deal to them to be asked to run. 
So maybe they didn't consider it, but you asking them, or maybe they did consider it, but just that ask has pushed them into the place where they feel like they're ready to run. So strategy five, emphasize the candidate's ability to make a real difference. So the focus group participants indicated that they want to make a positive difference in their communities. They were less interested in simply holding a particular position. For this reason, it's important to know what their, what their priorities are. So many women in their focus groups referred to themselves as advocates. This can be a selling point in recruiting women and they can be an advocate for a cause, a group, and their community. And strategy six, assure the candidate that she can learn on the job. So assure her that she's already qualified to begin the job. Focus on the candidate's strengths and not what the candidate does not know. Parliamentary procedures, zoning codes, curb and gutter dimensions, etc. Like they, she'll figure that out on the job. Just push her to realize that she can be the best candidate. Strategy seven, be prepared to commit to supporting the candidate. <laughs> you can't just raise them up and then release them and hope that they don't fall. So help with figuring out the nuts and bolts of getting on the ballot, campaigning, building a support network, fundraising, etc. As an example of door-to-door campaigning, well enjoying or well enjoyed by many women candidates can be an intimidating thought for some. So I, I really enjoyed reading this article and well, the title is Recruiting the Next Generation of Local Elected Officials. So I, I feel like this really ca- can help the next generation of elected officials, especially if they're women. We, we need to encourage more people to be going into government. I hope everyone enjoyed my podcast on extension and government. Um, It may not have been all about straight extension, but I have to make a shout out to my 4-H past or my, and my 4-H present. It's kind of what rules my life. (laughs) So um, thank you everyone for listening.